Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. I got Kid Presentable here. Hey, hey. Got Lavender Gooms here. Hey, guys. And I got the man with the plan, DJ Mark. Hey, how's it going? I'm just giving you a new, a new nickname. I um, know, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Um, we've got some fights to talk about. We got some, uh, we got some controversy to talk about. We got, uh, we got some wrestling to talk about. Don't worry. Actually, don't fuck you. This is my show. All right. Well, it's our show, but we're talking about wrestling. You guys can deal with it. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about this UFC pay-per-view, which are all pay-per-view $65 now or just the ones just where they fuck the people? Bad. Just the bad ones. <laughs> um, That's all right, yeah, we're gonna... for HD, isn't it? <sighs> yes. Everybody HD. So I don't know what the $65 thing is. We got to get the 4K one. Um yeah, we're gonna talk about these uh, this fight card that happened on in Orlando, I think. Um, yes. Orlando uh, with Jeremy Stevens and uh, Josh Emmett, which was I thought was uh, getting into to be a pretty darn good fight, quite frankly. Um, ending pretty abruptly there. Talking about we have a number one contender at strawweight. If this was actual meritocracy, we'll see if it pans out. Got some other stuff going on. Um, but yeah, let's just fucking get into it. Mike Perry, Jeremy Stevens. Let's just get to the end of the story here. Um, right around the time I texted the guys, man, Josh Emmett is better than I thought he was. Um, Jeremy Stevens fucking club Josh Emmett with Mark, I want to say left hand. Yeah, it was a left hook. Left hook, which by the way, um, Jeremy Stevens ability to improve and become a weapon and becoming a, a finisher with both hands is something that's kind of being overlooked in lieu of all this controversy, but it's worth mentioning right there. Um, he drops Josh Emmett. He throws an illegal knee under any rules you want to go with. You can't knee somebody in the head when their knee's on the ground. He it tried doesn't... to clarify that his confusion was the hand down rule. Yeah. You're like, you're negating the knee down aspect. Yeah. That when yeah, you go down, it doesn't matter the rest of it. Yeah, Jeremy Stevens went between um, I was in you know finishing mode and I made a conscious decision because the guy's hand was down as his two excuses. So it's either you were thinking or you weren't, by the way. Just putting that out there. Anyway, the knee didn't appear to land, but on the way, on, on I guess, like, and while going in, the knee didn't land on the way out. It kind of hit him. Um, and then he landed one elbow that was, he landed when the guy's back was turned. He kind of threw it while Emmett was turning. Uh, and then the second one he threw when Emmett was already face down and nailed him in the back of the head. Um, Jeremy Stevens wins. Everybody debates cheating in MMA because we all know, Cheating um, always pays off. Jeremy Stevens and his $50,000 check will tell you that as well. Um, I'm going to get my two cents, and we'll go from there. Jeremy Stevens, I don't think Jeremy Stevens, uh, I don't think the knee impacted the end of this fight. Um, but in my world, how this would go, and I'm not sure how this lines up with the referee should do, um, but a referee doesn't know what's going on anyway. Tan Dan had a really bad night. Um, as Stefan put it to me via text. Um, this is what I think should happen. When he threw the illegal knee, 
that's when you separate them. Because he threw it. And if you, th I mean, unless he threw it in a way that you thought there was no chance it hit him. No, he throws the illegal knee, you stop it. Because you know what? Even if he didn't hit him, that dude's hands just went up to defend a fucking knee on the ground. And that you can't just keep, we can't just hope for the best afterwards. So I think right there, fight stops. You throw the knee. I don't care if it's in a finishing sequence. A lot of people are like, do you really want that? I'm like, on some level, this is a fucking sport with rules. And if we're not going to have the rules and we're just going to let these motherfuckers do the stuff, that's fine. But if we want to enforce the rules, there has to be an adequate way, adequate way of doing it. So I think the second Jeremy Stevens threw that knee where we all thought, eh, that kind of fucking hit him. Um, that's when you separate them. And tough titties Jeremy Stevens if during this time Josh Emmett recovers while we're going to the, uh, going to the fucking monitors because tough shit. You threw it. Now, that's now, what I think. Without having read the UFC bylaws are the unified rules of MMA, which depending on which fucking unified, county you're in. Yeah, depending on which county you're unified. in. <laughs> but yeah. here's a question I want to ask. Maybe you guys have more information than me. But an illegal strike for it to warrant a break or a point being taken away doesn't necessarily have to be that it was a substantial thing that led to something bad. Here's my hypothetical. Let's say. Let's say someone rocks someone with a left hook. The guy is really wobbly. He hits him again. The guy's still really wobbly. And let's say just for some reason, he just blatantly pokes the guy in the eye. Like I'm talking two, three stooges, just, just two fingers into the eyes. And then he finishes it off with a combo. Would that be a DQ? Yeah. Yeah. If the referee's doing his job, yeah. Why wouldn't it be? He cheated. Well, the... The reason why I asked that is because the guy was bl pretty blatantly about to go down anyway. Well, that's what we fucking saw on Saturday, man. We all pretty much I know that uh, was we all... extreme. That was an extreme. No, version. but I mean, we pretty much. I think pretty much people pretty much thought Josh Emmett was done before the knee was. I mean, he wasn't. He was. We've seen Jeremy Stevens in these fights. This guy was one to two more punches away from being done in the fight. I, and I, th I think. And I think. I think to, your, to your point. That's where it being a sport element should really come in because in football, if a running back starts ripping off an 80-yard run but someone does a chop block on the 50-yard line and the guy scores, well, guess what? Tough titties, that's coming back. Even if that chop block had nothing to do with springing him for the run. Also, we, can't, this is, we don't have the advantage in football to like, oh, we can just run this back. This dude's unconscious. Like, he's asleep. The fight's over. So that's what I think. I mean, I don't think, honestly, I think you forfeit your right to complain the second you throw that strike. And it's the referee's discretion. There's a reason we have a referee. And sure, there might be a mistake one day, but like, Jeremy Stevens threw that strike. Tan Dan should have stopped the fight right there. And then we would have figured out if the knee was illegal or not. And if this guy couldn't continue, unless in this scenario, let's say it landed. Or hell, it didn't land. We would have went to the thing. The guy, oh, they uh, didn't hit him. Well, you know what? We're going to continue the fight standing up. And because you I, threw the knee, tough shit. You threw you, the knee. You That's the thing. I, I think, I think Bobby, you got it basically right. And the only thing that would really change is, in this point, I think you stopped the fight. And because of like what Mike is kind of pointing out, this was a blatant, like he, he was trying to go for his head when he was in a legal position. So that's a blatant strike. And I think you would stop the fight and take a point away. In the scenario where, let's say, Jeremy Stevens lands that knee, and it does so much jam damage that Josh Emmett cannot continue. That's a disqualification because it was due off an illegal strike. Of course. I totally I agree. In this case, what probably would have happened was 
you get the point taken away because it was a blatant illegal strike. Well, maybe they, it may not. It may not have been taken a point. I mean, they might have just decided. No, I think I think in this case, what you at least in, like we're talking ideal world. I think oh, ideal. Okay. Point away because it's not like a groin kick where it's like, oh, I was going for the leg, and this this is like the groin kick we were talking about with the the Bellator fight, right? When that guy was in yeah. the butt scoop position and he just kicked him in the dick. Like there, oh, there was, was great. No, he was trying for else. <laughs> he was going for the nuts. He got it, and that's what that's what Steven was doing here. So I think in this case. Just because of the blatancy of the strike, you take the point away. If Josh can't continue, then it's disqualification. I think what would have happened, and I think what we all kind of agree with, is if they would have stopped the fight, let it continue, Jeremy probably would have been able to finish him because Josh took a lot of damage there. But we don't know, and we won't. And at the end of the day, Jeremy gets the win. It, it should have a little asterisk or something. It won't. I mean, yeah, because uh, dude's going to appeal the loss. And Stefan, what odds would you give on this of loss getting overturned in front of an athletic commission? I mean... I, I I know you want to talk bad on the commissions because I genuinely agree. I think there's a solid argument for a no contest on this. Because uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't even get to we didn't even get to the fucking elbow. You're right. <laughs> on, on top of the knee, if if okay, I I fully understand the argument. He may have turned into one of the elbows, but the second one was when he was already down, head facing the mat, and he just comes straight down with it. You know. Um, he, he was in smash mode and like, you know, I, I get Jeremy Stevens. It, it's, it's tough to read those, but that's why I say Tan Dan had a bad night. He didn't miss one thing. He missed a couple things. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of the Jones, uh, the Jones and, uh, Matt Hamill fight is ultimately Jones got disqualified for the illegal <laughs> 12 to six elbow. That is not what ended that fight. What ended that fight was his throw, which separated Hamill's shoulder. Hamill was done from the initial throw. And then there was just an illegal strike that was kind of inconsequential on top of yeah. it, which kind of resulted in the DQ. But I think there's a solid argument for a no contest on this. To yeah, be and honestly, I mean, like, let's also like, I mean, let's be clear about what we're saying here. We're saying if you're going to have these rules, there's no point in not enforcing them. If uh, the second some guy gets rage in his eyes because it's the end of the fight, we just throw it all out the fucking door and just you know you do whatever you got to do. Like, there's no point to the rules. If you, okay, if you don't want to have the rules, fine, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, but. Again, we got on some level. This is a sport, guys, and we're getting farther and farther away from it. I mean, that dude. I know this is not the same thing. Remember, like I did the eye gouging two weeks ago and still got a, a performance bonus and didn't even lose a point. Come on now, like, why wouldn't you cheat? Anybody? Why wouldn't you cheat in MMA? <laughs> you always get one. I think that's kind of the joking thing we see in this sport. It you could be anything. One. Also, it could be literally anything. I mean, how many times have I said, like, not everything needs to be a warning. Sometimes you just take the point. Like, it's agreed. Yeah, Mar Mar that was Mark's point where he said, you throw the fucking, you're trying to knee him in the fucking head when he's ground, uh, on the ground. I don't care if you got to come up in the moment. Mark is making a good point. That should be a, you, you take a point away. Just like that. I, I know I've said this before. I think in I think in a podcast maybe two or three years ago. But if I were an MMA fighter or a boxer, knowing I would have one punch to the ding ding that, I could just do and not get a point away. Anytime I get in any serious trouble, or the one time I would get in serious trouble in a fight, just wha-pow, uppercut. Right I mean, it's me. called the Czech Congo fight strategy, so. Oh, Congo's getting at least one in. There was, do you remember, do you remember Steph, do you remember, um, what's the name of the Iranian guy who came out to the Jamie Foxx song? Blame it on the alcohol. Oh, uh, world class. World class. Uh, um, Charlotte <laughs> Russe. I remember he had a fight with Jeremy uh, with uh, Jer uh, Jamie Varner in WC where he kicked him in the dick 
Herb warned him, kicked him in the dick again. Herb gave him a, took a point away, and then kicked him in the dick a third time. And then Herb was like, "All right, don't do it again." Like it reset the box. And I, I, I think Herb didn't know what to do. Like, uh, (laughs) he keeps kicking him in the dick. That's the end of the fight, man. Again, it's not like not 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 everything. Like, I know we're having a good time watching fights, and this is you know a show, but it's also a sport, man. And sure, not every time it's like we're not gonna be happy. You know, sometimes shit happens, and you know. A fight like, uh, what is it? Uh, Randy Couture, Vitor Belfort had a title fight. It ended because Randy Couture got a cut in like the first like forty seconds. Shit happens. Yeah. Speaking about uh penises and uh, blatant fouls against them, mm-hmm. my uh, my friend Rudy used to play uh high school football, mm-hmm. and uh, he would tell me that if the opposing team found out you didn't have a cup on, and at the bottom of a of a scrum for a, for for a football, he would tell me that the opposing players would just grab that guy's balls and start squeezing them. That sounds about right. That's that's American if you, if you, sports, everybody. If you were a boss in a video game, your crotch would be <laughs> the part that's yellow for you to attack. That's okay. That's what it is. That's one um, of the pressure points in Three Ninjas. Uh, yeah, but uh, Jeremy Stevens, though, honestly, like, his, he did this to himself by all the shit he did, but he was fighting, he's gotten better, honestly. He asked for a title shot, then said there's only three people ahead of me, which is why he's not going to get a title shot, by the way. That's the reason. Uh, Jessica Andrade beat um, Tisha Torres Marcus, number one contender uh, for the winner of Joanna and Rose. What do you think of uh, Andrade's performance? No, I think it was great. Um, I mean, we kind of broke this fight down, I think, accurately last week where um, we knew Tisha was going to have to use speed and uh, foot movement to kind of get away from Jessica. And she was doing a really good job of that. Um, But then the difference, which we also kind of broke down, is in the clinch, Jessica was going to be way too strong. And that's basically what happened. Once she was able to, you know, uh, get Tisha against the cage, get a hold of her, she was able to lift her up and ground her uh, successfully for three rounds. Um, Even though I think they gave Tisha the first round because she had good footwork. She was using that speed very well. Um, But yeah, Jessica's just too big and strong for Tisha to implement that kind of game. And yeah, like you said, um, I think her and Rose is a really interesting fight. We kind of saw what happened with Joanna. So, I mean... I, Jessica, I think, has gotten a little bit better, so I wouldn't be, you know, disheartened if that fight came to fruition next. You know, if, if uh, Joanna Champion beats Rose and we get this rematch, I think there's still some interest there. But I would be more interested if Rose is able to get past Joanna Champion a second time, which would be, you know, a very difficult task again. And then we see Andrade and Rose. It's a new matchup, and I think it's kind of an interesting one at that. Um, but yeah, this was a great performance by her. You know, she really showed her strength and her ability to ground opponents. So good on her. Um, this is the fight pick that I was, I let myself down in. I was telling the guys before the show. I talk about how much I like Latifi. I talk about how I don't think OSP knows what he's doing. And then Latifi goes out there, beats the shit out of OSP and chokes him. Uh, Stefan, walking, uh, walking safe, I'd say would be a good description of what Latifi looks like. Um, she wants to fight Daniel Cormier. It sounds stupid, but hell, he just fought no time, huh? <laughs> He wants a title shot? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, it's it, that part. It, it it sounds ridiculous, but at the same time, I don't know what's going on in this aged out division. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is he gonna, isn't uh, isn't Alexander his boy? Is he really gonna leapfrog that action? 
I thought Alexander's trying to fight Luke Rockhold. Isn't DC fighting the heavyweight champion in like four months? Yeah, I mean, nothing's happening for a little while, yeah. and then DC might just retire. You know what? Enough, so we'll see. Jones, I think Jones's hearing is in a week. Is it? Uh, is it? Is hearing in LA? God, I, I, I've never rooted for incompetence in the commission so much. I just want to see Jones just come back. You, you know my stance. Jones is dude, the greatest. He's the monster that haunts your dreams, that lives under your bed. I want him to come he, back full he of fought, uh, He fought last July. I'm going to say John Jones is fighting on the New Year's Eve card. That's what I'm. That's my prediction, by the way. Um, Mike Perry needs to fight less stupid. That's my analysis of this fight. What, uh, what do you guys think? Let's go with you, Mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not that he fought stupid. He ran into a problem he couldn't solve until, like, the third round. And it was really just Max Griffin's reach and this dude just using straight punches to keep Perry on the outside. And Perry just not knowing how to get on the inside. And I think uh, DC did a good job, you know, giving him kind of pointers. Like, he needs to faint. He needs to put forward pressure on him. He needs to get him to bite to think he's coming in. And once Max starts letting his hands go switch directions, get on the inside and throw the big punches. And we saw Mike do that in the last round where he basically, how he negated that that uh, that distance was he took a big instep in, he got in Max's face, and then he kind of threatened with big punches. And sometimes he landed a few big ones there. But it was, this was really, for me, a coming out party for Max Griffin. He showed a lot of heart and grit. It was his uh, debut also, right, Marcus? What's I that? Think it was his debut. Was his UFC debut? I I don't think so. I'm not sure about that. I'm I'm not 100%. <laughs> this is fourth UFC fight. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been around. This is a big this is a big marquee fight for him and he showed a lot of, you know, the you know, he was kind of going up against it, right? Mike was a hometown boy, the crowd was against him, but he played it smart and he landed some good punches and Mike just Perry just couldn't figure it out. He couldn't get the uh, equation down until that last round where he landed some big punches, but it was too little too late. Man, but uh I think the the biggest takeaway from that fight was what happened afterwards with, man, Colby Covington. Is it somehow possible that even though he disparaged a whole group of people, but what he said about Mike Perry's girls just mean? Oh, I didn't I hear didn't. that. Where did you? Where did he? Where did he write this? Uh, he wrote um, something. He wrote something like, "This is what you get for having your horse face girlfriend as your head trainer." But See, I, I guess I, I, I guess blocked. That's what happens like when you have uh, this is the poor judgment you get when uh, you marry your, your your cousin in Ocala, Florida. Okay. See, I, See, I block I blocked Colby Covington like four months ago. I didn't see any of this. To his yet. credit, like there's a snippet of troop wrapped around all the vile he threw there because, like, yeah, I, I think part of the problem is that his corner was not giving him the advice that he technically he needed technical advice on how to negate this problem. And it wasn't just like be more aggressive. Like Bobby said, kick him in his leg, break his fucking leg. Those aren't things that are actually going to help him tweak his it reminded game. reminded me of BJ, Penn, uh, BJ Penn's corner. I remember yeah, like, when, when, like, when, when GSP like, – well, Ramp, I'm talking about – I mean, Rampage is a corner man's garbage. But I remember like BJ Penn getting his ass whooped by GSP. And they're like, come on, BJ. T uh, t drop him. You got uh, Knock him out. I'm like, GSP's getting real advice over there. Yeah, what is I this? mean, <laughs> and you, you, you see the differences in these head coaches that really break down the game. And I mean, look, it's it's one thing just to be a coach and tell your fighter what to do. The fighter has to hear those instructions, know how to implement them on the fly. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. But I, I think when you're not even getting that technical advice, you're just at a disadvantage, right? Because you're not getting any new ideas on how to combat this problem. And, and you know, I, I think if Mike Perry is going to make the next leap in his evolution as a fighter, 
he's going to need to get a little, you know, get better advice, get better trainers. And there's nothing against his girlfriend. It's just the the strategy I was hearing from her in the corner is just wasn't helping him, right? He needed something more technical. I don't know if she was giving him technical advice, if that would have been enough for him to be able to implement those changes. Well, I, I, I know some guys, it. Marcus, I know some guys like to uh, have like their dad or somebody familiar be the voice, but the coach is supposed to tell her the good shit to say. Yeah. Like I know for, I know like um, Frank Mir always had his dad, but he had like Robert Drysdale telling his dad what to yell. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have nothing against having family members or loved ones in your corner for that emotional support. You know, maybe when Perry goes back to the stool and he sees his girlfriend, it lights a fire in him. I don't know. But what I do know is that, you know, the technical advice that I think it wasn't just her. I think it, the other coach just really wasn't helping Perry, no, you know, yeah. jump the hurdles he needed to jump. And like I said, it, it, that's not to say that if you have Matt Hume in your corner, you become Mighty Mouse. You know, there's a lot more to that relationship that has to evolve. You have to have complete trust in the corner when they say go and strike. You do it that instant. You don't second guess things like that. Um, that takes time and skill to develop that between a coach and, and its fighter. And I did just the, the technical advice that was was given just just wasn't what he needed, really. You know, kicking him to break his leg, like, like Bobby said in the pre-show, it's just, that doesn't just happen. You don't just kick some low some guy with a low kick and his leg just breaks. You know, you need some more. He needed technical advice. He wasn't getting it. I think that's part of the problem with this fight that we kind of saw. Um, Hen and Brow, guys. I feel we don't need to look for shit as like look for an answer. He's had forty one fights. I know he's only thirty years old, and he's slower and he's not Hennenbrau anymore. So it kind of is what it is. And that fight, that whole fight for Sarah McMahon was like her whole career in one fight. I felt like <laughs> things are going well, and then she, she yeah, gets she, caught in some shit. Like she, she did not. Great. She didn't defend that triangle choke for the first like. There was, she could. I don't know a lot about jujitsu, but she could have done some stuff for the first like thirty seconds she was in there. <laughs> her, her main defense was getting that other hand inside the yeah. triangle to give her some room to breathe, and that was her defense for two minutes. And once that hand left, she was done. You know, she got broken yeah. down. So yeah, I think that that's very apropos about how you. She looked great in the fight. I think she was more aggressive. Her stand up looked sharper. It yeah. just. Things is, did not coalesce for her to get this victory here. And it, it's kind of sad and disheartening, but that's just the fight game. And uh, a great win. fight for uh, uh, Renault, too. I mean, a big come up performance. Yeah, and she that was a huge win. Sure. Yeah. At 42, um, I mean, you know, woo, the clock's yeah. ticking and she's still getting it done. Um, big wins for Angela Hill, uh, Alan Juban. And, uh, you know, Sam Alvey's going to knock people out when it's on Fight Pass and we don't get to actually watch it. Um, honestly, I, 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 I didn't watch it. Uh, Alan Joban's beautiful ass broke Ben Saunders. I mean, uh, knocked out Ben Saunders after breaking his foot. I like Ben Saunders. That made me a little bit upset, to be honest. But uh, Joban's a good fighter. And uh, honestly, I enjoyed everything I saw. Yeah, I think for a couple uh, I, weeks ago when we were really down on some of the events, we've come off two or three really good ones. And Well, you know, it's also our complaint isn't so much like the fights are going to be bad. It's make me care about these fucking yeah. fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I, I give it a little up and down. It's quality fights, but man, is Jeremy Stevens and Josh Emmett not a sexy headliner. So I, I saw someone else make this point. You can have all the great fights in the world, but if you don't bring the name value that draws eyes, no one's going to see any of these. And in the end, none of these performances will matter in the grand scheme because they're well, not moving the needle. So um, I, I, there were good fights, definitely. They Even for a fight, you got to get better names on these cards. Well, you know, I I have to disagree with you on that one there, Steph. I mean, this wasn't a huge marquee name, but if anyone's seen 
any of the fights in the last year from any of these two guys, you are going to think, oh, this is this is shaping up to be a pretty good main event, and especially for a fight card pass. So, I don't, I actually, I don't think we're talking about hardcore fans, Mike. Yeah, I think we're talking about the are baseline. People I mean, don't get I think, excited for I think it. Like, you don't have to be a hardcore board, fan. Everything if is you down. saw them Ratings fight, border down. You saw them fight once. If you see, if you saw each of the fight just once in the last year or two, it was likely going to be a, a knockout or you know something where someone got finished. So, I think I don't think anybody uh, knows I, who I the fuck Jeremy Stevens is. Man, well, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure anybody, any casual fan, cares if the fight's going to be good. Like they're they're not sold. I feel by this guy puts on good fights. They're sold by this guy has a name. Well, Granted, quite often they have names because they do have put on good fights, but they're not going to like. They got to get the name first for these well, people to get. I, I feel like what what really was happening is you had a guy ranked four who potentially is about to fight for a title that no one knew who the fuck he was. So it's like this is their attempt to push him, put eyes on him. And I agree with Steph. Like that fight on paper is not sexy. I was not so, excited. So what but, you guys are saying is that the casual fan was saying, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, more what, or less. What was like on? Were we playing? Were we playing the Thunder on national TV at this time, Stefan? Right? Yeah, that was a tough matchup. The, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I missed the first couple of fights because I was watching the Thunder game. Yeah, I was gonna say um, the NBA is killing it and going against one of the best matchups you can do, and you know, is not gonna help either. To be honest, with you know, with casuals. Um, all right. Um, before we talk about let's let's talk about what I the topic uh you know what I'm gonna do the memoirs thing right fucking now because it's not even a memoir but I think it goes into my at least my point I'm gonna make with this topic um which is we want to talk about what we would change about the UFC product like the fan product I guess um besides the number of fights because that is very clearly the number fucking one um and for me um cars need to start earlier. And I know Mike's going to be with me 100% on this shit. Um, especially the TV ones if you're going to drag this out for four fucking hours. But pay-per-views, I remember this because I was in Syracuse with Mike. We were in law school. Uh, there was like a one-year stretch where pay-per-views started at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. That is the time this shit could start. This shit should start, in my opinion. That was beautiful. Okay. These 5 p.m. Time. 5 p.m. is nice on Fox for us here in the West Coast, but that shit can get real early with the prelims and stuff. I think an hour earlier, man. Don't start any UFC. Okay, there's no way you can have more than five fights after 6 p.m. That's what I'm saying, all right? None of the six-fight shit that starts at 7, all right? Okay, five fights after 6 p.m., maximum. That, for me, would help my viewing experience so much more because Mike wants to sleep. And also, if you're on the East Coast, if this shit is done at, like, midnight instead of 1 a.m., you might be able to go out and get a drink or something. It's a Saturday night. And on the West Coast, I don't know. You can go out. And, oh, maybe you can get, you know, get dinner beforehand still. It all works out. But they need to start this shit earlier. It will help. This Why do, why do, why, why am I, like, why am I watching shit at 11 p.m. Pacific time? That's what I don't understand. I, I uh, I went and watched these fights over at our boy Phil's house. Mm. And after the last fight was over, I went home maybe five, ten minutes later. Mm. And I was home. By eleven fifteen, it's great, I huh? Thought, <laughs> I thought this is beautiful. I love an eight p.m. card. Oh, you want you want Mike? What's the eight p.m. card? <laughs> 
You know what? If it yeah, starts I'm at if it starts nine p.m., I'm I'm talking eight p.m. No, see if it starts at that is five p.m. on the West Coast when the pay per view is over. It's like seven thirty, maybe you go eat dinner. It's great. I'm okay with that too. Quite frankly, yeah, that's just my thing. I would love for that to change. Um, you guys got something? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have a bunch. I'm sure we're all in, we're all annoyed about everything. Somebody go. <laughs> um, I I know it's been about two years, I guess, at this point now, but. I still really don't like the uh, fight kits. Um, fighting is not a team sport. And one of the things about fighting is the individuality. And I do feel we've lost a lot of individuality when we went to the fight kits. So that's really something I would want to change. That's one thing I really enjoy anytime I watch Bellator. Um, even though their sponsors aren't nearly as good as uh, with the UFC for the fighters, mm. it's still nice to see all the different splashes of color. Some of them are very garish. Some of them look really horrible. Like, Hey, Mike, let me ask you this. Let me ask you. If Cowboy Cerrone was uh, starting in the UFC today, would they let him wear a cowboy hat? Because he they let him wear it now because he's Cowboy Cerrone and they put like a monster logo on it and some shit. Would they let him, if he was a new fighter, wanting to wear a cowboy hat? Is there uh, any chance they'd let him wear a cowboy hat? There's the lesser cowboy. He wears a cowboy hat. Are you sure? Yeah, Bobby's hunting for no cowboy. because they wouldn't let Ronnie Jason wear the Jason mask when he They shot. wouldn't let that one person wear a turban until he appealed it. Like, that was a thing. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen Brazilian cowboy wearing a cowboy hat since the rebound. They wouldn't let, what's his name, put on his uh, gladiator uniform either. Uh, what's the kid? Uh, the Olympian, Cejudo. It's a good thing Tom Lawler kind of got cut before all this happened. Otherwise, we wouldn't know who Tom Lawler was at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike, entirely. Um, Stefan, what do you got? Um, one thing I just want to echo about one of my particular complaints with Mike's. Greg, I super sec. I'm gonna second everything you guys all say. Like I said I have a million complaints. I'm certain. But um, one thing that really bothered me about that is I was super stoked when they said, "Okay, we're gonna let them wear colors because it was just black and white." And then the color scheme was completely limited to one color if it's your national, like, country color. If you're Canada, you can wear red. If you're Brazilian, you can wear yellow. And that was it for colors. Like, you know, Mr. Wonderful wearing pink, you know, those things. Like, you had the Iceman for blue and the fire for Tito. Like, none of those things exist. Like, you can only wear a color as long as it's your national affiliation color. Like, that was just another thing. Um Mine, it's going to kind of encompass a couple different arguments, um, but I heard uh, the, uh, the uh, shit, why am I blanking on his name? I was blank on his name. Luke uh, Thomas. You know who I'm talking about. Beards. Beard guy. Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas. Um, but I, he, he kind of went deep on it on one of his uh, podcasts this past week, but I think it covers up. I think the UFC needs some modernization. Um, face the pain? Did he talk about face the pain? Please. Of course he talked about face the pain. <laughs> That song is still here. That band has been broken up for six years. Like, you know, as an example, he he talked about the NBA because the NBA is a great thing of like basketball is an old ass product. But how does basketball always maintain touch with the youth? They they have a marketing. They are always appeal to the young generation. Basketball does that better than football, better than baseball, better than any other sport in terms of being relevant to like the 15 to 25 year old crowd. Like basketball does it. And he said, like, this is what the NBA finals theme was. And it was humble by Kendrick Lamar. You have to on some level have your finger on the pulse of modern culture, of modern society. And by that extension, it would also remove something I want gone, which is Dana White. Dana White is a relic. 
I can't thank him enough for what he did for the UFC, but he is he is a man out of time now. He does not fit the modern landscape of a sport. And Except, like, I don't know. I don't know why this is why my head thought, but I thought you were talking about modern times. I don't know why I thought you were gonna say I need David Spade not to be at the events. <laughs> that was my first slapper where you were going. I mean, yeah, <laughs> UFC could stand to get some better celebrities in their crowd. I mean, I didn't watch Shaq James. used to come, like, man. Kevin James doesn't hold a special place in my heart. I'm sure, don't, he does for some other people. Don't don't they get Demi Lovato anytime it's in California? Yeah, I don't know. She, she, she dumped Luke Rockhold's losing she, ass. Yeah, she dumped Luke for that Bellator fighter, man. She moved up. Maybe. <laughs> or really down. We'll see. But um, I, I yeah, think I, they need to modernize a lot of things. You know, they, they tried. They did some of their logo stuff. I think the kit was a step towards modernization, but it was a step too far, kind of as Mike was saying. But there's a lot of things, like, with the product, it just feels stale. It just needs to revamp itself. And I think the obvious one is, you know, just the theme and the packaging, like, how they hype you up. You know, we talked on memoirs not that long ago about our favorite, like, advertisements they've done. And what were the ones that stick out were the ones where they stepped out of the box, where they stopped doing the same old tired tropes. And that's kind of, you know, like the whole packages of the intro, you know, like we may as well still have Gladiator Man while we're at it. Like, Gladiator Man. Um, Marcus, I'm going to I have a guess in my head of where you're going to go with what you want to change. But Ooh, really? I'm going to let you say for I do no, go. Well I, well, I mean, say the guess, because then if you get it, it's cool. But if um, I, say it, I was going to say you're going to you're going to complain that there's no custom. The entrances suck and you want more oh. entrances like Japan. Is that right? No, no. God damn it. Yeah, I mean, be you cool. do want to you I, do I, want I, him I, to change that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like a more, you know, entertaining entrance i think that adds to it but no what i what i change is more crucial to the actual sport of mma and it would have made the issue we had in the main event a non-issue i would love if they implemented knees to the ground i think obviously when you have a limited rule set for fighting any additional rules you add in can change the whole sport right and if they add a knees to the ground I mean, we saw it in Pride and you see it in Ryzen. So many positions in MMA that are kind of stale positions or positions where you can't do a lot of damage like north-south or when you're sprawled out become extremely dangerous when you when you add in that kiosk of now I can knee you in the head on the ground. And I would go so far as to add soccer kicks. And I know a lot of people don't like them, so I wouldn't be against if they didn't allow stomps to the ground. But I feel like that adds so much more versatility to the sport. It adds a lot more, you know, brutalness to the sport too, which might be something they want to shy away from. But I mean, I think the whole gimmick of mixed martial arts was to see, you know, what is the, who is the best fighter within a very limited rule set. And I feel like, you know, when they took headbutts away, that takes away a lot of, I mean, I, I'm not big on headbutts. I'm cool with them not having headbutts because I feel like that is a fight technique that's not very entertaining it's not very you know spectacular you know just to see some guy have his head two inches above the other guy and just push it down and a big cut erupts isn't really something that i'm interested in seeing in a fight but when you have a dude in north south position you can rain fucking knees down on them i think that's interesting i think when a guy takes a shitty sprawl and you can fire knees at him i think that's a great i think when a guy wants to get back up he has to really think about okay if i get on a knee here i could get blasted with you know a knee to the head i think it just really adds a lot more versatility to the fights. It adds a lot more danger to the fights, but I think that adds to the spectacle, right? There's more positions where these guys are in critical danger and they have to think quickly. And obviously guys adapt too. I, I think a lot of people are scared that like, oh no, if you're on the ground, like this dude's just going to get domed in the head. Like 
No, they know how to protect themselves. You can train for these techniques and make sure that when you're in bad positions, you cover up and know how to get out of them. Um, I think it just adds a lot of versatility to the fights, and I think it would be really cool. Um, and But I, I get why they're not in, but I would love to see them back in. And it's one of the re reasons why I like watching Ryzen and stuff and even 1FC because they have those rules, and it's cool to see these different positions where you can be even more creative, right? You can do more things with more options. When you limit them, you kind of you know put the guys in a cage a little bit. So I, I, I'd love to see it. I think of all the things we mentioned, it's the most unrealistic. I feel like that's something that will probably stay in place in the States and within the UFC for the unforeseeable future. Um, but I, I'd be it'd be a welcome addition for me personally. Um, all right. Um, let's just get somebody else to run the UFC show. How about that? I think that solves a lot of these things. Get, a, get, a, get, a, get an executive producer in there. Um, um, I kind of, you know what, since I gave my wrestling rant at the beginning of the show, I was, I'm kind of torn on how far we want to get into this thing. Um, and I'm gonna let you guys decide this too, because if Ronda Rousey's gonna do this every week, I don't give a shit enough to talk about it. Um, Despite me watching more wrestling than anybody here, I don't really watch the product on a weekly level, weekly basis. I'll just say this about what she did last night, which um, if you didn't see it, which every MMA website's trying to get some clicks out of this thing, because God bless them. They got to pay the bills somehow. Um, Ronda Rousey had her quote unquote contract signing, um, which not real. Okay. None of this is real. She signed with them months ago. Uh, she came out. She was terrible on the microphone. Uh, the one thing I really liked was that uh, DC, uh, Kane, and Michael Chiesa were in the front row, uh, loudly chanting Ronda Rousey, and you could kind of. Was that I'm not, not sure her she was looking in that same picture, Channing, who you also did not name. I no, felt like the guy with the hand cupping to his mouth was uh, Mr. Rousey. Not that, that was somebody him? else. I think that was Lazy to Savage. Actually, the he looked like he was too small. Travis Brown for sure was there in the in this crowd. Yeah. Nobody's pointed him out. Ronda Rousey took video of Travis Brown at the event. It's on her Instagram Okay, well, page. then he wasn't on the camera shot they showed. Because everybody pointed out Kiesa, Kane, and Daniel Cormier. He's not. Okay, he's more important. important. He's more important than Kiesa. Um, mm. So, but by the way, this is only going to, I'm only going to enjoy this. I think maybe, I mean, I, I enjoyed the part where later on in the evening when Michael Kiesa was shown loudly booing Roman Reigns. I really enjoyed that. Side note, though. Um, they kind of made it look like Ronda was looking at the guys in the front row, which I thought she was, and she kind of got, like, half emotional, that bullshit. So I'll just say this, though. Anything that required her to physically do anything, she did great, and the crowd was into anything she did when her mouth was closed. See, that was you, my takeaway. You 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 heard you said it, Bob, but I I heard – I could be wrong. When I – the clip I saw, the cl the, the chanting – it wasn't prominent, but I heard tinges of like Ronda Rousey. Rousey sucks. Like there, it's the age of where there's everyone is both a heel and a face. I'm prepared well, you know for what, a contingent of the, pro wrestling fans that are going to backlash on Ronda. Well, do you know what actually helped her? And I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Is because they had this whole bit going where like because you guys remember three years ago Ronda Rousey showed up at WrestleMania and her and The Rock beat up. Uh, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, who are two characters on the show. And they are the authority figures in the current landscape, both in real life and on the show. And um, on, on the, on the, on the pay-per-view last night, um, 
uh, Kurt Angle, another character, said, oh, they uh, they just want to sign her to, like, have her under their thumb and to own her and blah, blah, blah. And then Ronda got angry and uh, threw Triple H through a table, which looked really cool. And uh, Stephanie McMahon smacked her, smacked Ronda in the face, and then the crowd started chanting, uh, you fucked up, which I thought that was pretty funny. Basically, what I'm getting at is I thought Triple H and Stephanie did a good job of making this interesting on some level and getting the crowd behind Ronda when she was, you know, whooping their asses. So, but I, yeah, I don't know how much we want to like, she's going to, she's on TV right now. I was trying to check my phone because she's going to be on TV in 10 minutes. I mean, we can't report on this week, week character. I think it'll be tough to follow her narrative, but we're in the, I mean, Brock's TV, still on TV. Know, this is the beginning. This is the launch. You know, we don't know what she's going to be. It's, it's kind of like a progress report. I feel like is how I'm going to track it. You know, I, I've been such a big Ronda Rousey fan. I'm, I've never been one of her detractors. I've always hoped for the best for her, but I'm very nervous for her about her in this endeavor. I just don't trust from everything I've seen thus far. I don't trust her ability to play a character. That's yeah, the thing about pro wrestling. You have to, at the end of the day, you have to play a character. E- even Brock. She's, she should just be a Brock, doesn't want to be on the mic. He knows how to play this character. And I thought whenever she made, like, mean mugging and stuff, I thought she handled that, but she needs to get away from, you said it, like, happy to be there shit. We got to get off that. But she was always, she's always so pissed off in the octagon and anytime she was around yeah but this is yeah because you know she's trying to really compete there man i don't know i mean i thought honestly first do it in real life you can't always translate it to a character it feels like it'd be natural just be pissed off but when her her pissed off was real you know you can't always uh manufacture that like after the fact i uh, honestly i walked out of it a couple of my i talked to a couple friends of mine who still watch wrestling and they're like they honestly thought for someone who this was basically her first time doing anything more or less she did okay, and that she sucked at the mic, but the crowd loves her, so that was the most of their takeaway. So, I mean, it's going to be a big deal. She's a she's a fucking huge deal. There's our MMA MMA websites aren't putting this up there for fun. ESPN isn't putting this up there just for fun. There, she's a big fucking deal. So, it's going to get coverage. Um, do you guys want to pick some fights? Yes, please. All right, let's pick some fights. Um, coming to you from I don't know. Um, UFC 222. Somebody look up where this thing's happening. It's Nevada. The T-Mobile Center, that's the big, that's a new one, right? But it's in Paradise, Yeah, it is a new Nevada? one. Well, Paradise, Nevada, I think, is the technical location hmm, of a weird. lot of shit in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, uh, big arena. Um, we lost the main event, which was going to be Max Holloway and, um, Frankie Edgar. Uh, Max got hurt. Um, by the way, the story where Conor McGregor volunteered to step in to fight Frankie Edgar, you know it's true because Ali, Ab- Al- Al- Ali Abdelaziz said it wasn't true. That's how you know it was definitely true. Just go on with your day. Yeah. Um, th- you don't want to so- hang on it, but the little note there is that it looks like he's going to fight again, right? It looks like he's interested yeah. in fighting. That's good. Let's move on. Oh, do you mind? That was hilarious. Was Dana White? I saw something earlier today where Dana White said, I don't know what Nate Diaz wants. I know the answer to this. Do you know what Nate Mike- Diaz wants? Money, motherfucker. Fuck you. Pay me. That's that might as well be tattooed on Nate Diaz's forehead. All right. He wants to get paid. It's not that complicated. Um. All right. Um. Cyborg comes in, saves the day. He's fighting Yana Kuniskaya. Who, if you are a hardcore MMA fan, you may not know. And if you are a really hardcore MMA fan, <laughs> you might recognize as the person who um she got a win over um Shayna ba- not Shayna Baszler, Tanya Avenger and Invicta. Invicta. Um, which she kind of didn't deserve. Um, it was a weird situation where, uh, Avenger pushed her foot off of, uh, Kuniskaya's face to get out of an armbar. The referee said that wasn't allowed, which isn't true. You could have done that. They fought again. 
Um, the first one was Tanya a no contest, just for yeah. the record. They had, they, they, first, she got a win. Then they turned into a no contest. And then Tanya yeah. beat her in the rematch. And then Tanya got her ass whooped by Cyborg. So the UFC's like, whatever. Let's have the girl who couldn't beat Tanya fight Cyborg. Um, they're just putting a title fight on this. It is what it is. We're all picking Cyborg. Does anybody think this gets past three minutes? Yeah, I could see it going a round or two. I mean, Cyborg isn't the berserker. She's a little more calculated, so I could see her taking her time, making sure she gets the win. But the outcome is foreseen, and that's what we can all agree on easily. Yeah, she's she's going to get wrecked. This is um, a minus 1650 smashing. This is back to Cyborg versus Can of the Month. Somebody wrote a really quick art, a Wikipedia page, I guess, about Yana Kunitskaya because it says, this article may require copy editing for grammar, style, cohesion, tone, or spelling. Yeah, uh, it's... Not good. Um, made of ending a pay-per-view. Um, Mike, Frankie, Edgar, Brian, Ortega. Um, what's the betting line here? Or who has the betting line? I have Step it. On uh, for some reason, it's not second. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Um, so Brian Ortega is a slight underdog at plus 155 with Frankie at minus 175, almost two to one. Mike, what's your pick here? I'm going to go with Frankie Edgar, an oldie but a goodie. I think he'll be able to control it with his wrestling. Um, I don't think I'm going to pick Frankie Edgar, but I don't think he's going to wrestle this kid at all because I think that's dangerous. Um, you're going to enter fucking Triangle City over there, man. Um, Brian Ortega's losing a lot of these fights he ends up winning at the end. And I know that's the shame shit with Yoel Romero and these motherfuckers are really good. If it was a five-round fight, I would 100% take Frankie Edgar. Three-round fight, I'd give more of a chance to Ortega. But I still got Frankie Edgar. Old man Edgar still got a, still got, you know, Still got a little bit more left in him. Though, I kind of hope Ortega wins, to be honest, for, for the sake of entertainment. Um, Stefan, what do you think? Um, Yeah, Frankie is, he really is old, reliable. And of course, the one time I think he's going to do it, he, he he doesn't beat Aldo, right? Like <laughs> That was a real proud, uh, that was a real, that is the shame of this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, that fight. <laughs> um, You know, Frankie, Frankie's still got it. He He's so good, but, ah. Uh, I feel like I, I, I'm gonna make this safe remark. I feel like he's he's gonna he was thinking about it. I feel like he was at least considering it, but he's gonna be happy to let me bite the bullet. Um, I'm gonna take Brian Ortega. He, he's a nice upcoming young story. Um, like you said, there's a lot of holes in his game. He's still susceptible to getting hit. And Frankie's so little, it's tough to it might be tough to sub that guy because there's not a lot of limbs to work with. So he might be able to maintain contact in there. Um, I, what was I, the last prospect? The last prospect Frankie fought was Yair, right? Yeah, and yeah, he, he beat him like he stole Yair, something. But the thing is, he beat his ass. <laughs> you can't ground. You can't just ground Brian Ortega, right? Because Brian on the ground is light years ahead of Yaya or Yair on the ground. Yair was a flashy stand-up striker, and Frankie smartly closed the range on him. Right? He couldn't get those kicks off. You know, when you put him on the ground, he can't throw any of those strikes. But um, you know, Brian, he's coming. He's his his striking is still getting there. You know, he's still putting it together. You see his his combos are tightening up, but uh, he, he is a demon on the ground. Um, all respect to Frankie, you know, I think in my head, I do think Frankie is deservedly so the favorite, but at some point, these young bucks got to start clearing out the old crop. So um, why not now? T-City. Marcus, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Frankie. I think it was. I, I think it makes it interesting that uh, you know Stefan went with Ortega because he's kind of the interesting underdog in this fight, right? He's kind of like the equivalent, but the exact opposite of a Mark Hunt, right? Like this guy can get it done late in the fight, and he does get it done late in the fights. 
um, with but with his submissions instead of that one punch. And I think that's something that Frankie is obviously going to be aware of. Frankie, like we said, he's an old vet. He's very smart. He's going to have, you know, he's going to know his P's and Q's with Brian and what he's going to want to do to get the win, which is basically grab him right anywhere it, it, on the ground, standing up. He'll jump to, you know, a guillotine like we saw with Cub or he'll do a flying triangle, whatever he can do to get, get that submission. But that's really his one avenue to get it done here. I think Frankie's going to be too fast in and out. Um, and just do what he did when he was lightweight champion, you know, just win those rounds using your footwork and your in and out pattern. And Brian Ortega, that's just the one aspect of the game. He hasn't really gone a firm grasp of is how to control the standup. Um, and I think that's where Frankie's going to be able to expose him a little bit. But like you, Bob, I think Ortega wins. That is really – he's just an interesting fighter because he has that kind of fight finishing at any moment. But in the opposite yeah. way that we're used to with a, like a big strike, he gets the subs out of nowhere. And that would be an interesting contrast if he went up against Max or Jeremy Stevens, right? Like I think you know he, he can do well. I mean, against- I think the winner, the winner of this fight is pretty clearly getting a title shot. And it's not that I don't like – I don't enjoy Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is a fucking Hall of Famer, no question – he doesn't lose fights to people who aren't good. Simple as that. Like, you better be really fucking good to be Frankie Edgar. And I, you know what? And not all of his fights are exciting, but hell, man, motherfucker gets it done. He fights smart. But I, not that I don't think him and Max would be a good fight. It's just that I'd be more interested in seeing what Brian Ortega could do if he could somehow get a hold of Max. You know, they'll be easy young, though. We'll end up seeing that one day, I think, either way. They're both young. Um, we all picked this one three to one, right? Mike, you got the picks here? Okay. Sure do. Uh, Sean O'Malley, Andre Sukuma, uh, Sukuma, Sukuma, I can't, Sukuma, Andre Sukum Hoth. Um, good job. Yeah, I did my best, man. Sean O'Malley, uh, took a bong grip with Snoop Dogg on Dana White's, uh, fight thing. Um, I really liked watching him fight um, in uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, he's got a, he fights a lot with head movement. Doesn't really block a lot, um, to be honest, with his hands. Taking on Andre Sukamath, who is coming into this fight at twelve and five. And Stefan, this dude's a favorite, huh? Yeah, the five loss guy is minus one thirty five, and the flashy undefeated prospect is plus one fifteen. That's kind of a toss up, ultimately. Yeah, this guy uh, made his. Uh, he had three UFC fights. Still don't really know who he is. Um, saved himself from getting caught, quite frankly, when he beat uh, Luke Sanders back in uh, UFC fight night in Fresno. Um, I'm not. I'm think this guy's here to lose. I think Sean O'Malley's somebody they're gonna. They want. They have hope. I mean, they're putting him on pay per view this pretty quickly. Um, I don't think he's there to beat on to beat Sean O'Malley. He might, but I don't think he's there to do so. So I'm taking Sean O'Malley. Mark, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of leaning uh, towards Sean already, and but then you you dropped the thing that solidified it for me. He was on Dana Knight, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, which we talked about last week. Like that show is just producing winners. That that dude that just <laughs> beat uh, um, Barrow, he was on yeah. Tuesday Night Contenders. That that yeah. awesome fight we saw two wow. weeks ago, Tuesday Night Contenders. I mean. I scoffed at the idea of, I mean, mostly because the fucker had to put his fucking name on it, right? Like, that's really what pissed me off. It has to be Dana White's Tuesday Night Fight. It's, it's technically a different promotion, too. Like, he, he got a promoter's license as himself. And they run, and the it's like, is like, they run it out of the tough gym. It's just like, oh, all right. Th- I like that part. That was my favorite part. I, that's the thing that kind of killed it for me. It's just like, all right, I've seen so many fights in this gym. Like, get out of there a little bit. But... What I what I can't be critical of, and the most important aspect of it is that it's producing new talent that is actually really talented. And, and, and that's not to say that everything rides on O'Malley, 
but like from what I've seen of the talent coming out of that product, it's to me, it's already vindicated itself. And just knowing that this guy came from there makes me even more confident that he'll get this win. So far, uh, the Tuesday Night Contender Series has produced much better and more exciting fighters who actually win on a consistent basis rather than, uh, is it Dana, Dana White's looking for a fight? Oh. I mean, that was more of a travel show, to be honest. <laughs> That's not so but much I, a fight I think thing. Mike brings a good point. They, you know tried, they tried one thing to go scout talent, and they're like, you know what, let's just bring the talent to us, and that has worked better. Mike, are you going with Sean O'Malley also? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, for the tried and true reason that I've heard of him. Um, Stefan, um, linking back to what you said earlier, I want your pick for this fight, but in my in your in our best case scenario where Dana White leaves the UFC, we need him to go back and just make a new promotion. That's a feeder league. Take this fight, Dana White contender series, and make it better. That's what we need from him. He can speak to Middle America still, like yeah. You know, they're still a few years behind anyway, so yeah, he'll be I just perfect for them. But for the, well, for us coastal regions, he's a little behind the times. Considering uh, what that got, last August, he literally did speak to Middle America at the uh, RNC uh, convention. Well, well, how did what was his standard greeting, which was met by thunderous apathy? What's up, Las Vegas? Where were they? Wherever city they were in. What's up, whatever. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Like, you know, his usual like, yeah. press conference greeting, which was just met like by thunderous silence. At the that was such a weird speech, by the way. Anyway, Stefan, what do you got in this fight? Um, I'm actually familiar with Andre uh, Skumtath, uh, so I want to speak to him a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with Sean O'Malley, um, but not comfortably, because I understand why Skumtath is the favorite. Um, I His Alejandro Perez lost, that fight frustrated the hell out of me. He dropped Perez three times in the first round with tight straights and jabs. He has good power. He has really technical kickboxing. But then he started feeling himself and proceeded to do nothing for two rounds. And I was not surprised when he lost that split decision. Um, because of that, that's why I think he can beat Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is flashy. He wants to be entertaining. He keeps his hands down. He tries to dance around with his head movement. But it kind of reminds me of the Rashad movement. He's still young, and this is why it reminds me of that. Where it's movement for the sake of movement. He's just trying to look flashy. He's just trying to look stylish. There's not necessarily like any technical, like he's not necessarily setting anything up. He just wants to be a showman. And, you know, and that's, you know, that might make him a star, but that's also my, why I could totally see him getting knocked out here because Sugumtot, if he doesn't bullshit like he did in that Perez lost, and he did rebound with a TKO win in his next fight. Um, he has the power and technical standup, which could give a young flashy guy trouble. So, um, if O'Malley loses here, I get why he wasn't the favorite, but, um, you know why it's 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 fun for the new crop as always. Um, I uh, I'm looking at this last. Did we all pick this one? Sorry, did I miss somebody? Yeah, we all got one. Okay, Animus. Um, is this what fights next here? Uh, Stefan Struve. You know what? We've everybody seen each of these guys fight five hundred times. I got Stefan Struve. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I do too. Um, not super confident, but Andre had that really bad run where he lost like five fights in a row. Um, he did get a win, um, but I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with Stefan, so I'm going with him as well. Stefan, do you got Stefan? It's tough for me to pick against my namesake, but man, when that guy gets knocked out, it looks spectacular to see a seven-foot man crumble. But uh, he's inconsistent, but he's still younger, right? Like. There's something there. Because he already champion for crying out loud. There's something yeah, there, Stefan. He just needs to get it together. I mean, isn't he winning fights? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> so am I the only one on the island picking uh, Arlovsky? 
You know what, Mike? It's a heavyweight fight. If we all pick one side, it seems real dumb. <laughs> yeah, not a bad move, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Mike is not a bad move. You're picking Arlovsky? Yeah. All right. Mike has Arlovsky taking the clock back. Round, you know, rewinding to a time where he told people, ask her how my pee-pee tastes. Remember that? You guys remember that? That's what he said to Tim Sylvia. Mark knows exactly what I'm talking I remember. about. I remember the PP yeah. talking about how he fucked yeah. his girlfriend and stuff. He's a real yeah. sack that Andre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tim Sylvia was fucking Andre's ex-girlfriend, and Andre told him to ask her oh, how shit. his PP taste. <laughs> Mike, you missed out on 2003 uh, MMA, okay? 2004 MMA. What a great this time was a, it was. Did 2004, 2004, where we all knew Pride has a way better heavyweight division, and the UFC was trotting out Arlovsky and Sylvia you know, three like, or four times. You know, a fighter you're watching is into golden showers? That's not, that's not your thing? No, what I want to know was, was he actually trying to ask her, tell her, ask her how my pee-pee tastes? Like my no, he's talking about his dick. Oh, he's he's talking about dick, his dick. But that was the word, only word he could come up with. Yeah, pee-pee. he went with he went with pee-pee. He's talking about his dick. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, um, are we all taking it? So three on Stefan, one on Arlovsky. Um, so Stefan, before the fight, we were talking about, you were asking about Ketlin Vieira. And Kat Zingano here. I'm sitting here trying to figure out why the UFC has, has chose this fight to be on the main card. Not that, like, Kat Zingano is not a good fighter or anything like that. It's just that I'm looking for the hook, for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Why isn't Mackenzie Dern, for example, on the main card? Why isn't, you know, Benio Darius was on the main card? Or why isn't, I don't know, Dalloway and Hector Lombard on the main? You know what I mean? That one what are we trying to accomplish? been there because there's some name value on those guys. Well, I mean, also, isn't isn't Pedro Munoz, like, number eight in that division? And John Dawson's a guy, like, yeah, Pedro Munoz has won four in a row. I mean, the, prelim, the prelims look great. That's a, that's, a, that's a better prelim card than I can remember in a, in a good way. Honestly, the order for the fights from number three to number, like, ten could pretty much be in any order, to be honest, most of these. But... I don't understand. I'm trying to figure out the angle here because Stefan Katzingano is the underdog, right? Um, she's a slight favorite. Really? Okay. Does Ketlin Vieira no, girl? No, like slight underdog. Ka- it's a this is a coin toss. One twenty-five. The other girl's nine and zero, oh, and she's twenty-six years old, and she beat Sarah McMahon, and I don't remember it being all that close to be honest. Um, and we all just kind of like Katzingano, and she, you know she's a good fighter and all, but she has. You know what? I'm taking the girl who's nine and zero oh and twenty-six years old. That's who I got. Stefan, who do you got? Um, I'm still going Kat Zingano. When I saw Kat Zingano's record was 9-2, and two, in my head she had lost a lot more, but it's because she, she lost... She just does a fight. She lost one fight in 2016, and she lost a run in 2016. She, she took all of 2017 off. Um, you know, I'm assuming she's hurt. Caitlin Vieira, she, she beat Sarah McMahon, but at the same time we've kind of said the book is out on Sarah McMahon. She's just kind of unfortunately been... A, her career has been a bit of a disappointment in the UFC... But I still think Kat's got something. She, she I mean, I think I think if Kat can of, get a win, they're gonna have a lot of gets, things in the cage she's had to deal with, if you know her story. Yeah. I, I hope this time off has really gotten her something because she's a really good fighter. She has credible stand up, she has credible grappling, like she's pretty good across the board. It's just, you know, she hasn't been active, but uh, she was you a contender. What? She was a I'm contender pl- up Stephon, point, so I like her. Stephon co- Stefan, you convinced me. I'm switching back to Cat. I just picked. I'm not picking a girl just for the sake of picking her. I've at least seen Cat fight a bunch. A bunch. I got Cat too. Mike, switch it. So, Mark, who do you got? <laughs> oh man. Well, I was gonna pick Cat because you had already, you know, bucked the trend 
But now I'm gonna switch and take a bet. Do you want? Do you want to, Wait, wait. Do you really want to be on the same side as me? I'm like four under five. Four like no, wait, no. Like, well, I was six under five. I was gonna pick Cat, and I was convinced of that because someone else picked the other girl. So we weren't all just picking the same fighter. Yeah, There's Mark. Mark doesn't want to be on your side, and I don't want you to join my side either, buddy. <laughs> but what I will say, you gotta right go, Stefan. You can leave too. You can leave, Stefan. <laughs> okay, Catlin. What I will say is, while I don't remember her victories that much, looking over her Wikipedia page. I feel confident because you guys don't know this, but she's a champion in two different organizations. Do you have you heard of Mr. Cage organization? Mr. No, Cage haven't. or Mystic Cage? Mr. Mr. Cage. Johnny Cage, Cage started his own Mr. organization. Cage organization. I like how their events are just called Mr. Cage and the number. Mr. That's Cage. it. And she's also a champion of Big Way. Now she's a big way Mr. Cage champion. That's weird, funny organizations that don't give a lot of credence to like the level of talent she might have been facing. Um, but I'll go with her. Um, just to buck the trend. I, I like you guys. I like Kat Zingano a lot. I feel like there's a couple avenues that she can win here. Um, but I feel like why this card is on the main event is kind of like why we saw Josh Emmett. Um, Catlin Vera gets a win over Kat Zingano. Kat and Sarah, both title contenders, I think she's kind of building a resume to fight for that title, and she needs a little bit more traction. Probably why she's on the pay-per-view. Ma Marcus, you know what my thought is now? Honestly, I kind of thought about it. I think she's on this card. I think uh, Zangano's on this card, main card, because also on this main card is Cyborg Santos. And I think if Kat can get one win, they're gonna she's gonna fight for the title at 140. Could be. Wins. I don't like that at all. No, they've they've they've, they've talked they've talked about Kat fighting at 145 for a while. I think this is I I'm starting to think about it. That might be why. To be you honest, heard it yeah, here, Mike. Bobby switches back. He's off my pick. Nah, still got Kat. Uh, Mike, <laughs> you want to join the, the losers with me and Stefan? <laughs> the UFC playing three dimensional chess, trying to get Kat Zingano some. Some burn Look, we know that we know that we know they don't think this. In a cyborg. We know, yeah, we know they're not thinking this hard. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, I'm going with Cat as well, uh, for a lot of the same reasons you guys said. Um, she hasn't fought very much in the last few years because of, you know, personal tragedy and pretty bad injuries. But let us not forget, and let us not let just the absence um cloud and make us forget how good she was. Um, Ketlin Vieira she might broke be, Amanda Nunes. Yeah, um, she broke many her. People can say it beat Amanda, Amanda Nunes. It wasn't just a beat; she broke her in that fight. She she broke her in that fight, man. Sorry, go ahead. I still have faith that Kat Zingano has it at least when she's actually in the ring. So until she loses, um, I'm not gonna get off the train. Fair enough. I mean, she's lost twice. But, well, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> recently. recently. Uh, Smartass. Yeah. I mean, the way I'm looking at it also, by the way, Amanda Nunes is defending her belt against Raquel Pennington. They're fighting for two belts, actually. They're fighting for the UFC Bantamweight title. They're also fighting for the Who Lost to uh, Captain Gano Championship because she beat both those girls. Kat's got a list, man. <laughs> got Misha Tate's scalp on there. Yeah. Too. That's she got bad. a couple. She got some good scalps on there, to be honest, man. <laughs> like, um,. There's some uh, we mentioned some of there's some fights on this card. Stefan mentioned how good the prelims are. You got at least you know you got at least one guy in most of these fights. Um, I want to give some attention though to Mike Pyle, and newer fans may not know Mike Pyle as much as you know someone like Mark or Stefan, for example. Mike Pyle's been doing this a long fucking time, and he's been a coach and he's been a fighter, and he's one of those guys who always put on entertaining fights. And he's 42 years old. He has 41 fights, and he said he announced today this is his last fight. 
So I just, you know, good luck to Mike Pyle. I hope he goes out on a W uh, against Zach uh, Otow. Yeah, uh, Man, just to echo off of that, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I say uh, I always call it the Chris Lytle lineage. Um, he's just one of those all-around action fighters. You know, he's credible in every department. And, like, you know, we, we another term we can call him, like, the high-end gatekeepers. You know, usually you got to be somebody to beat these type of guys. They're not going to ever contend themselves, but they're going to give you enough trouble across the board that if you don't come in with a well-rounded game, you might drop a fight to them. Um, you know, they're they're just a class of fighter who have littered the undercards for years, but they always brought good action. Um, and Mackenzie Dern making her UFC debut. Um, connoted Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. She's got a bunch of those titles, actually. She's a bit of a she was a bit of a prodigy, and she's only twenty four years old. She's not a Mister Cage champion, though. No, she was. Uh, she could. She's fighting. Strawweight, I think, in this fight. Uh, I mean, the UFC was already paying her check and Invicta, and they need people to watch their shows, so they're not going to pass on the, uh, you know, while she's a very talented, you know, jujitsu player, and she's still a pr- very much a prospect in MMA, they're not going to pass on putting the pretty girl on TV, if let's be honest about how the UFC operates here and who they push with their female athletes. Um and yeah, got a comment on that shit, or this is pretty much what they're doing. <laughs> um, I agree with everything you say, and uh, let's just hope she can make weight. Yeah, she seems to have she a tr- she seems to have some trouble with that. Um, all right. Um, before we do stuff we like, uh, just a quick note. Um, if anybody saw the thing where the UFC lawyers in this antitrust case argued. That they are the UFC monopoly isn't why wages are down, and you can't. They said you cannot compare the UFC to other pro sports because those other pro sports have unions. Again, this is the UFC lawyer's argument. The other pro sports have unions, which is, uh, and the UFC doesn't have union have a union, which is why wages are low. So it's not because they're anti-competitive; it's because there's no union. If I'm a UFC fighter and I read that, I would probably create a union. I'd probably call Leslie Smith. Just been trying. I really am at the point now where, like, I'm not sure how much sympathy I'm supposed to have if they can't get this shit done. Like, we can't want it for them. Leslie Smith's trying. Just seems like there's a different organization every year, and then after a couple months, you never hear from them again. None of these these fighters trust anybody either. And um, one other thing, uh, you can't... uh, This is my stuff I like. Um, And this is going to be weird that I liked is... I don't want to get all political, but I really like these kids, man. In Florida, I would not be this strong. And um, you can buy all the Russian bots you want. Um, you're not going to out-internet a bunch of 17- and 16-year-olds. And these kids are dunking all over the NRA and uh, the Republican Party, and it's fucking hilarious. Um, that that 14-year-old or 15-year-old that said they should rename AR-15s Marco Rubio's because they're so easy to buy, that's... Jesus Christ. Burn. I'm surprised. Has he gotten up? That was like four days ago. Has he gotten up? Uh, yeah, I don't want, I'm not trying to get into politics. I know we do that enough, but I just think I'm just honestly really impressed with these kids, man. I would not be this strong, and they are children. And if you think they're crisis actors, you need to reevaluate your life. Um, that's what I got. Mike, what do you got this week? Um, on a much not as significant note, 
Yeah, I, I didn't want to make this into real shit. Sorry. Talk about game. games or something. Could you have gone yeah. last? Shit. Oh, Mike. Mike, Mike, do you want me to bring up the lost episode? <laughs> and you depressed us for an, a good half an hour? <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, I started watching. The, I, th- I think one of you guys may have talked about it before, so I apologize if I'm bringing it up again. But uh, I started watching Altered Carbon on Netflix. It was uh, one of those quintessential Netflix uh, sponsored shows where, you know, I'm watching uh, the Roosevelt's and Intimate History for the fifth time. And I see it as one of the featured shows to watch. I've seen it for like the last month or so. So I finally uh, gave in and started watching it. And it's a very good show. Um, It's a bit of a run-of-the-mill dystopian uh, future where the main technology that's uh, featured in the show is that people are able to switch bodies. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away, mainly because I'm not very good at explaining show plots. But uh, it's a very enjoyable show. Um, If you have a Netflix subscription, take an hour, try to watch the first episode, see if you like it. Uh, Give it a shot. Alter to Carlton. It's getting some good reviews. That's uh, it's getting a lot of hype. I haven't checked it out yet. I don't think we've talked. Have we talked about it? I mentioned yeah, Steph, it. Did you bring it up? Oh, you brought before, it. Up. I'm not sure if it kind of looks out. like a series that it kind of reminds me of Blade Runner. A lot of the yeah. visuals. It was getting some hot heat before it came out, so I knew it was going to be something. I guess the basic premise is that you can put your consciousness inside what they call like a new body, which they call sleeves, which is like yeah. so gross and creepy. Like, oh, look at my new sleeve on. Uh, that's the main premise. I I just. I heard a bunch of ads for it before it came out and it seems really cool when I saw it on Netflix. So Mike, it didn't do that. Right. Like I was just like, I, I thought this was going to be cool, but I'm looking at, it, I'm like, it doesn't look that cool to me. <laughs> like I didn't I, watch it. So I, I got up to episode six, right before we, uh, we did the podcast about two, three hours ago. And there was a twist that happened in that episode that I'm like, Holy shit. I was hooked on this show on the first episode, but now I can't wait to get off talking with you, Yahoos, so I yeah. can finish watching. I, I want to watch it. it. For me, it didn't have enough of what Steph said. Like, it didn't look Blade Runner e enough for me, and I was like, eh, all right, I'll, maybe later. <laughs> but it's got, it's got now that you saw it, it's got boobs in it. I mean, that's not a huge selling point, but more Blade Runner e, <laughs> that would be a huge selling point. But uh. Uh, but I, I, I might Mike, it's 2018. Time. That's like the easiest thing to find on the internet. It's not really a selling point in this yeah. current day. It's basically you can do it naturally like glow, you know, where it's non-intrusive or you just put it in your face like Game of Thrones and shit. And I perform the former to the latter, but that's just me. I'm just I don't have a preference in general. I'm just pro in general of the whole thing. Um I'll go. Who's uh, Stefan Go? I forgot. Um, on the Netflix go. note, it's not really something I like because it's something that kind of failed. I thought something was coming to Netflix this week, but as I dug deeper, it came out to Netflix everywhere else. But in the United States, it decided to come out in theaters. I really wanted to see Natalie Portman's new movie, Annihilation, which is a it's a really good looking sci fi movie. Um, it's based on a book. Um, I was really interested in that, but yeah, the rest of uh the world got it on Netflix. Oh, but I didn't know that. We, I, th- I thought it was coming to Netflix. I was oh, super I, I, I knew it was a movie. I was excited for it. I didn't know fucking theaters. every other country gets it for free. What I like most about that trailer, do you guys remember the sound? They have some weird sound the effect shimmer. that you, you, can't, yeah. you can't mimic, but it's just like when I heard that, I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in that. So that's something to check. Um, for me, it's mostly a lot of the same old still playing Monster Hunter, Overwatch, etc. Not a lot of new things, but um, something I'll just say I like in general um, to give shout out because it's a story I just read earlier tonight. Um, and it was a bummer, but kind of reassuring at the same time. Uh, Kevin Smith had a heart attack and uh, he survived yep. it. He had a massive heart attack. Um, it's nicknamed the Widowmaker. My father actually under he suffered this heart attack several years ago himself. Um, it has like a two percent survival rate. Um, it is a gnarly heart attack. I'm happy to see him alive. Um, he seems he lost a lot of weight. He he, he, he lost a it. lot of weights. Also, um, it's weird. I, I, you know, just maybe you thought it would happen when he was at his heaviest. Heaviest. You thought it would have happened then. Yeah, you just, the other Sorry. day I was watching his uh, rev half-hour review on Black Panther, and um, whenever a, a comic book property comes out, I love watching uh, and listening to Kevin Smith's reviews. I know a lot of people get on him because he's not that critical. He's not that harsh. People want him to hate Star Wars more. They want him to hate Avengers more. But what I love, why I like watching his reviews is he speaks about them with like this childlike reverence for them, you know. And he he always talks about how. You know, he could be harsher, he could be more critical, but if a story can make him feel like he did when he was a kid again, that's all he's really hoping for, you know? Um, we, he also he also knows how hard these guys worked on the movie. He's like, man, that looks real. He knows how hard it is. Oh, yeah, that's the first thing he'll always say. He's like, man, whenever I feel like I give a critique, it's like, I know they made a better movie than I'd ever make, so I feel kind of like an <laughs> asshole to give him that critique. But, you know, we grew up on his movies from, like, you know, his Mallrats, his Chasing Amy's, you know, the Jay and Silent Bob and the more zany stuff. But, you know, he, he wrote a lot of comic books back in the day when I was reading them more frequently. Like, he's just been such a part of the culture uh, for me growing up. Um, it was such a bummer to hear, one, that he had it. But it was a nice relief to see that he has survived it. Um, hopefully he can do what he needs to do to kind of live a healthier life from here. But I always appreciate the content he puts out. So um, I'm happy that 2018 has not claimed any has he hasn't hasn't claimed this one yet um yeah i've always liked kevin Smith, yeah. so I, I hope he continues able to churn out uh this content that entertains me but i also hope uh just for him and his family's sake um he's able to take care of all his health stuff yeah it was um i'm i mean i'm a big kevin smith fan too and i saw that this morning and i remember like because i i follow him on social media which is why i saw it but i was just also like man he lost like a lot of weight recently like he's actually was like getting his shit together which it uh Still, he almost, you know, he almost got got. It kind of reminded me of, um, it's a bad example, but this guy didn't survive. You guys remember Eddie Guerrero? Like, Eddie Guerrero, like, was clean, but, like, he'd had such, he'd, he'd put his his body through so much previously that he just, his heart couldn't take it anymore. That's like, you know, one of the, the, the saddest celebrity losses of my lifetime was uh, Carrie Fisher. You know, she, she'd gotten clean. She, she, she'd come a long way, but even getting clean it doesn't take back a lot of the damage you put on yourself. Um, so it's never, it's never um, too soon to start being healthier. So I think that's just something for all of us to be aware of. Stefan's talking about heart attacks. See, Mike, I'm not the only one being a bummer. Uh, they just show the recap of uh, the Ronda Rousey stuff on Raw. Yeah, oh, she's showing up now. No, no, no. They just showed the recap from yesterday. Why is she? Well, I mean, it's eight why is she cheesing? Like she's getting uh. Like, yeah, that, but that she got to stop doing that. They um, but if the, she's on right now, it is this is the la this is the end of the show. She's coming out. Um, my uh, Mark, what do you have this week? Oh, she coming in pissed. 
Okay, Mike, just wait till the end and tell us what happened. Mark, go ahead. Mark, go ahead. Um, Well, sadly, you know, I really didn't have anything this week. And then when Bobby, you did yours and Stefan did yours, like, I want to comment on those as well. Because one thing, and I was like, when you guys were talking about Kevin Smith, I was like, oh, don't mention this because I'll mention it during my thing. Um, I don't know if you read his tweets, but kind of going back to like what makes Kevin Smith, you know, a really fascinating person and I would consider like a beautiful person was that he talked about, you know, like, like a lot of us, the thing he feared most in life was death. And at this moment where he realized he was having a heart attack and that he may be dying, um, he actually found a calm in that because he was able to reflect on all the fortune he's had in his life, you know, how he was able to do so many cool things in his life and meet so many cool people that he said that even though it would have sucked to kind of die in that moment and not exist anymore which i think we all agree would very much suck to any and everybody it's the thing we all fear because it's it's the inevitability except for mike's altered carbon show which you can basically get away with it um but just just to kind of see that like that sentiment that you know he appreciated his life so much that if this was the end he came to peace with that and i think that's something that um is really tough to aspire to even get in that kind of headspace that when you know your life's you know coming to its its end that you're able to come peace with that. I thought that was a really beautiful sentiment to kind of throw out there. And of course, I hope he you know just like Stefan said, I bring all those sentiments too that he's just a you know a beautiful person. I love hearing his comments on stuff, and it would have been really heartbreaking to have uh, to have him taken away from us. Um, and then just like you you mentioned, Bob, um, I couldn't think of anything. And then once you brought those kids, I was like, oh yeah, that that is the fucking coolest thing that's been going on this week easily is we've all given up on fucking gun control. You, We all said it when this, this tragedy happened, like, man, this is horrible. Nothing's going to change because nothing ever changes. We keep doing this cycle over and over again. And when those elementary school kids got shot exactly. a few years ago in like, Sandy Hook. That's, seen, that's what I think most of us were just like, oh, this is a wrap. No one's changing anything. Do it, but that's the thing is, like, to get stuff done, someone has to carry that mantle. And even though the four of us, you know, we're passionate about getting these laws changed, we want so many people agree with this that the – NRA is running this country's gun laws and it's ridiculous and there needs to be change and everyone continues for decades to keep pointing the fingers at other things and it's like no fuckers we don't need more guns we need the bad guy that had the gun not to be able to get that gun you know and it's just it's mind-boggling but to see these kids just be like taking a stance and being like no we're we're going to ride this tidal wave of emotion that always happens when these events happen and we're not going to let it stop and that's the hardest thing is that's what always happens right we're all like, this sucks. What happened in Las Vegas? What happens to these fucking kids is awful. We need something to change. Everyone's go, go. You know, the political figures just say it's not the time and they wait for the mood to pass because life continues on and we get bogged down with our daily shit and we can't think about the bigger picture until another event happens. And it's so awesome that these kids are taking it. And like Bobby, I mean, I, I'm just ringing both your guys' sentiments really at this point. But it's like you said, Bob, like, you can't fight these kids on social media, motherfucker. They grew up on it. They own that. Oh shit. my! So they, it's great. To yeah, see. Teenagers have teenagers have no like. Worst comes to worst, at the you think you make a point, the kids will make fun of your shoes or something. Exactly. They know and it's over. You're just done. Like, and it's just it's, like that's what these fucked. and these politicians that keep trying to defend it and like attack them. They just get teared apart. And it's just like, yeah, that's what should happen because you can't come to a kid that was in you know geometry class and then fucking people are dying and come at them with any you know at the high ground at all they have the high ground they have the wit and the comeback to tear you down and i'm glad to see that they know they have that power a lot of them are coming into voting age so they're going age they're going to have the legitimate power that we all wield to make these changes and that's going to scare the politicians you would hope to make you know 
the you know to change some laws and even though we fucking hate on the guy and he can do so much more at least trump kind of doing his like like I, not negligent not but just like he's ignoring the fact that the nra doesn't want any of the shit that he says they're gonna do because they're good guys but his ignorance is playing into that like that stupid narrative that some dumb people buy into that like yeah the nra is good guys they'll do the right thing because trump said so like at least he's trying to do that. There's so much billion more things he's supposed to do, and he's already done fucked up shit. Like when you overturned that dumb Obama stuff, whatever. I'm getting too much into it, but uh, I like to see this <laughs> momentum of change happening, and it looks like it's going to continue. And I can't encourage it enough. So, um, sorry, <laughs> I didn't want to get political. Mark went on a fucking tear. I know. I'm bad. I'm sorry, I, dude. I do it. All, I do it all the time. What do you mean? I did it for. I, I've been doing it loud. I did it recently. Mike style, though. It's the end of the show. You could have turned it off. You wouldn't miss. Mike. You're already off. By the look at this point, there's no way anybody from anybody who's a conservative listens to this show. We've we've alienated people on a level that they're not they're not here at this point. Yeah. Um, Mike, Ronda Rousey's saying. I'm looking at it. People are talking about how she's. Not doing the worst job in the world right now. Shit talking, I guess, is my understanding of this. Um, do you got anything to say before we end the show? She's looking real good. She has a very nice bun. I never noticed she has a slight bit of cauliflower here. I never noticed that. Is she just looking real mean right now the whole time? Has she maintained her looking mean the whole time here? I wouldn't know because they want a commercial. It's 8.10. It's the end of, I mean, it's 11.10. That's the end of the show. Um, all right. Um we're going to be back next week. There's no card the following week, but um, Mark and I are going to get hammered and we're going to watch. Um, we're going to do the co-main event podcasts uh, drinking game for which pride event was it? Final countdown. Yeah. 2000, 2000, 2005. Yeah. That's the light, uh, light heavyweight tournament. Shogun ran through great, great event. Yeah. Wait, so what, what's, um, the, what's the co-main event drinking game? So if you're a Patreon, if you if you're you know if you contribute to their Patreon, which I did because this seemed like fun, uh, they're gonna do a drinking game and they're gonna have a podcast that goes along with it where they all get hammered and watch a Pride event, and it's gonna have rules like soccer kick, two drinks, whatever, you know, a Pride lady screams, one drink, stuff like that, and I'm in my head trying to figure out right now still if I'm gonna do this with beer, and just get like. This, I mean, I'm 32 years old. I can't drink beer like I used to. Like, physically, it's too many calories. I get full. Or if I do hard alcohol and I just put myself in a goddamn coma. Yeah, but, but <laughs> Bob, by that same logic, you're 32 years old. You can't process alcohol like you used to. Uh, I can't, I'm gonna, this is not going to go well. This is going to be a disaster, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, then the following week, there's this terrible card on Fight Pass, which... I might be able to watch if I have to get Fight Pass to watch this, to do this um, drinking game. Um, but you know what? Yeah, you shouldn't pay for the You shouldn't pay for Fight Pass just for Jimmy Manuel versus Jan Blockowitz. That's not worth paying for. Get the free trial, people, if you really have nothing to do that day. Um, all right, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about if we have a new featherweight champion, uh, lady featherweight champion. We won't. We're going to see who the number one contender is to Max Holloway's title. We're going to see uh, what's up with our uh, Sean O'Malley. We're going to see if Mackenzie Dern's, you know, out there, you know, as a player. We're going to see if Kat Zingano's can get a W or we're going to see another win from Catlin uh, Vera. Uh, we'll talk about all these things next week. Thank you guys all for listening. Um, maybe Ronda Rousey will force us to talk about something else with her next week. Um, all right, guys. Peace out. See you. See you. Later.